What's up, everyone? Farewell the Vet here with his third installment for his Left Your Brain Thinking podcast. This one I'm not going to name like I did the other two. Um, maybe I'll just call it Time to Listen. I don't know, something like that. I've been talking a lot about war lately. I want to kind of change the tone, and I'm always going to leave you guys thinking and hopefully making you anticipate my next week's podcast. I did the last two on Friday. It seems like Friday's my day. So here we go. Happy Friday, everyone. Um, I want to start this week off first and foremost with saying that my prediction with the Taliban and U.S. joining forces in the last couple two podcasts um, might have been off, right? A um, couple days after my second podcast, it seems as though the Taliban took responsibility for an attack that killed a couple uh, U.S. soldiers, I believe they were soldiers. Um, you know, the Taliban, they probably feel a lot of pressure from the Arab world considering peace talks and working with the U.S. government. Seems like it's going a good way. It wasn't that bad of a prediction. It just seems as though the Taliban kind of played that negative card. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if things escalate or if the United States grows more ground based off of all the events going on, that the Taliban wouldn't go back to maybe peace talks and stuff like that. But obviously taking U.S. life in the Middle East right now is a, is a really touchy subject. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, I'm not too bold to say that I more than likely was wrong. Um, the evidence and the knowledge and the background and, you know, the fact that these guys have gone back and forth, it made sense. You know what I'm saying? Because staging a war with Iran, I truly believe Western Afghanistan is going to be really important. It's going to be a priority. You know, U.S. presence in Iraq in really big numbers like it was at the beginning, like 2003, 2004, 2005, something like that. It could bring really big, heavy war. It could bring a whole bunch of freedom fighters. It could be really bad. It could be worse than what we've seen already in Gulf War II. It could... Be Gulf War III. I mean, who knows, you know. And then if there is any ground war in Iraq from this point on, you can just expect that Iran is going to have troops in the ground. It's just one of those things. They've already done it, you know. Now they have motive to be open about it, you know. So, you know, the, the Taliban, they definitely forced the situation in the negative direction. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, but... Speaking about the situation and going into, uh, if you remember and if you listened to my last podcast, I left saying, what about Christians in Israel, right? So let's tie this all in. I want all my episodes to tie in. How could Iran significantly retaliate to what's happened? I mean, it's been some time. A lot of people may think that, you know, they might have forgot about it or they can't do nothing. Iranians are very patient. You know, their death, the death of their Quds Force leader, you know what I mean? It, it fired up the spirits, you know what I'm saying? His main goal, the Quds Force main goal is to take over Iraq. Well, not to, excuse me, I, I said that wrong. To take over any Western influence in Iraq. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, with a lot of the people... On this side of the world that may not like Donald Trump, you know what I'm saying? If they go on to the TV and they see crying people in Iran and this, that, and the third and all like, 
you know, um, they might sympathize. Kut's force is trying to rid Iraq, specifically Iraq, of Western influence. You know what I'm saying? To pave way for whatever other force or whatever other entity of the IRGC would come in and do whatever. So if we give a lot of backlash, which it seems like we're doing, we're doing this terrorist job for him and he didn't die in vain. Right. And so that's kind of what's going on right now. There's a lot of pressure for any type of Western presence in Iraq. And that's a really big deal. And that's what makes Afghanistan even bigger. That's why I thought they would try to do that. But the Taliban being singled out, you know, they killed a couple Americans and kind of makes things kind of weird. Becoming sympathetic to Iranian ideology is, a, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty big what if, you know. But what could happen? What major assets or interests does the United States have in the Middle East or in that area of the globe that could pose a threat? Israel. Israel is so, 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 so important in so many ways, specifically Jerusalem. And that's kind of where my direction is with what I'm talking about. A year ago, there was a U.S. embassy that was opened up in Jerusalem. I believe it, they moved it from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I don't believe that there's two in Israel. I think it was moved. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. There might be two, one in Tel Aviv, one in Jerusalem, but I believe it was moved, and I believe, no, it was Donald Trump last year it happened, right? You know, Israel, I mean, we're talking Jerusalem, like I said, it, it pertains to so many different walks of life, so many different religions, so many different people. Um, you have the Church of the Holy uh, Sepulchre, the Dome of the Rock, the Western Wall, you know what I'm saying? Jerusalem seems like inevitably in multiple different walks of life, it seems like the gateway to heaven. There's a lot of Arab nations that don't want Israel to exist, but it's not talking about Israel. It's talking about its people, right? You got Hezbollah in, the Le in Lebanon. You have Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Um, they're mainly known for waging death towards Israelis. You have the PLO. Um, and let's not forget, you know, if you're old enough and if you remember Yasser Arafat was part of the PLO, he had a lot of talks with the Western world back in the day. The PLO isn't part of the terrorism list, but under the PLO is Fatah, Hamas and Fatah, do have issues, they are enemies, but they are ultimately working towards the same goal. My point of saying all this is that Israel is surrounded, kind of like how Iran's surrounded. Um, you also have the Muslim Brotherhood, who has shown violence towards any secular ways in any Muslim countries. You know what I'm saying? And, and they are, they're a very... Highly prestigious being, they are seeing at, they're seen as an entity, and they are accepted by the world as an entity as well too. So that causes a lot of issues. 
Um, a big event could spark all these entities to engage, you know. But let's talk about these Christians, right? Surround, just like Israel is surrounded by all these entities that don't want their existence in that area. Within Israel, surrounded just like Israel, are remaining Christians that, you know, live within their state. But like I said, we're going to talk about the ones in Jerusalem. Christians in the holiest city for the Christian religion have been leaving for years now at alarming rates. They may not be targeted physically. I mean, there are situations where they may be targeted physically, but they're definitely ousted and individualized by the Israeli government. There, I mean, you can go on YouTube, you can see there's a whole bunch of Christians in Jerusalem that feel like they're victimized. Um, and, you know, considering that the Jewish state is always targeted, they feel like since they're targeted by the Jewish state, they're sitting ducks. You know, I, I remember I spent a little time in Iowa and I remember reading a paper over there and it said something about 1,200 or so, just over 1,200 Christians left in Jerusalem. And it was a really small stanza, like maybe five sentences, a five sentence uh, paragraph, really small part of the newspaper. And I, I just, I'd never seen it before. And ever since, I mean, this was like 2015, 2016, ever since then, I've always wondered about this. And I didn't, I didn't, I've never really seen it. It's not really talked about in the mass media, you know, so I have to really dig deep and figure out, well, what's going on? I, I live in a predominantly Christian country. What, what on earth is going on? And, you know, we, we hear in the news all the time, we are Israel's best friend, right? But what about these Christians there? There's a lot going on, and it, it made me dig deep. It, 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 made, it made me, it, it left my brain thinking, right? And this is why I did that, right? And so right now, I think there's somewhere around a thousand Christians left in the holiest city for Christianity. Jesus Christ ministered in Jerusalem. He died in Jerusalem. He rose again in Jerusalem. You know, when you talk about uh, I mentioned earlier a lot of holy cities, excuse me, not holy cities, a, a whole bunch of, of holy locations in Jerusalem for many different walks of life. You've got Judaism, you know, Muslims pray there, you know, very, very, very important for them. Dome of the Rock, that's where they say Muhammad went to heaven, right? Um, and then, you know, with Jesus ministering, there's so many different walks of life in the world that it makes Jerusalem literally the holiest city, holiest city in the world, you know. And so we have to look at all these things and kind of talking about Israel as a state in itself. In 2002, in Bethlehem, there was a church where Hamas and Fatah, you know what I'm saying? They, they took um, clergymen and held them hostage for just almost 40 days. 
they stole artifacts, you know what I'm saying? They uh, used pages of the Bible for toilet paper. They put booby traps in, in this church. My point is, is that, as I recently said, the Ham- um, Hamas and Fatah, they don't see eye to eye, but they have kind of the same you know, goal that they want to go towards. And that's kind of what's happening with the, the Christians within Israel. So a little bit of irony there. In today's current state, what Middle Eastern forces um, would join together would really have a big impact on what could happen. Obviously, if a lot of entities in the Middle East start joining together, Iran could use that in their advantage, right? And obviously, any type of conflict in the Gaza Strip, uh, in Israel, any missiles, things like that, obviously, in today's current state, with the people that are in office in the United States government right now, you could expect there to be some sort of swift retaliation. Um, Israel's had 30-day wars with Hezbollah and things like that. I don't know too much about the U.S.'s input and the things that they do to support in those situations, but I know that we haven't had troops on the ground or tanks on the ground or anything like that. This is something that could definitely change. But what if a larger force such as Hezbollah in Lebanon, who currently have good motive with this big, huge Iranian figure being killed, get all of the smaller forces to join? I mean, obviously, you're talking about different sects of Islam and things like that. Um, You're talking about sectarian violence. That's always been an issue in the Middle East. But for a situation like this, if everybody doesn't want Western influence in the Middle East, um, I don't think that it it would go about them to join forces temporarily and then put their issues and their BS to the side in order to oust Western influence in the Middle East. And I think that's what's kind of a concern for Israel right now. And I think that might be why the Taliban, you know, uh, killed a couple of U.S. forces to show the, the, the Middle Eastern world, the Muslim world, that they're not riding for us in this situation. They don't want to be singled out. A conflict like that would definitely take the focus off U.S. forces in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it would more than likely put them in the Levant, waging war there, if that, if that was to happen. Iran, I believe, needs to buy time, and they're very patient. But on the flip side, I'm really curious to see how the few remaining Christians that live in there in Jerusalem how their life is after positioning of a U.S. embassy in Jerusalem, right? I mean, Donald Trump on the news is talking about Iraq owes us money. Uh, Baghdad International Airport is one of the most safest, is the most safest airport in the world. We've used it to, um, for takeoff landing aircraft waging war in the Middle East for a very long time. We've handed it off to them. Things like that, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it gets to the point where um, I, I don't believe 
you know, I don't believe it's really far-fetched to say that the United States will create some sort of entity like BIOP around Jerusalem now. And I think that's important. Christians in Jerusalem, this holy city, for many different walks of life, have felt left behind by the Western world, right? Left behind by the Western world who claim to be Christian, right? A fourth of the U.S. is evangelical and believe ultimately, long story short, that when this sacred land that house Christians, Arabs, Jews, Armenians, you know, multiple different walks of life, as I've said, should completely return to the Jews according to script. We hear it all the time. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of evangelicals that have been on TV and has talked about this. And, and you know, we can go back to the Israeli war uh, when they got their sovereignty and things like that, they've always been targeted. Their way of life is targeted every single day. But according to biblical script, they are supposed to soul-heartedly hold that land. Knowing exactly the ideology of entities and power will definitely help you understand or predict what is to come? Left your brain thinking. Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump are two examples of presidents that are heavily supported by evangelicals. Ultimately, and what others fear in any way, shape, or form, is that they believe with the Jewish people that this accomplishment would present Jesus Christ in our world today and may bring the end of time. That sounds... A little crazy to people that aren't, you know, biblically savvy, but I mean, ultimately, that is what it is. It's, you know, in script, whenever what could happen is going to happen, they believe that that is what will bring Jesus Christ back on earth in our, in our time. There are many references that speak of the Golan Heights, which is 700 feet below sea level on the Sea of Galilee, which is Israel's main source of natural water. This bed of water is both fed and drained by the Jordanian River, or the Jordan River, excuse me, not the Jordanian River, the Jordan River, that's crazy. Um, this land used to be occupied by Syria, the war of 1967, and, um, and it's highly important for the Israelis to continue to occupy this land because it's really high ground and it's an important passageway and sources of water. They're committed to death by holding this area. It used to be owned by the Syrians, like I just said, for a whole generation, and they used to fire upon settlements, and Israel cannot fathom a world where they lose control of this area. There's so many different areas where countries fight over water sources, right? And I think this is important, too, because a lot of the Christians in Jerusalem getting a little bit more specific than feel but than me saying they feel like they're being left behind the job 
the job occupancy is insane. I think it's under 10%. You know, food, water, the, the, you know, they feel ousted really bad. And I think it's really important to look at the irony of the things that Israel is fighting for. That's why I bring up the Golan Heights. Um, because it, it's kind of like, this is it. Take over the Golan Heights. It's a really big issue for Israel, right? And I, I just feel there's some sort of irony with the lack of help, aid, and the things that the Christians in Jerusalem need, um, regardless of whatever agenda is going on. It being such a holy city for multiple different walks of life, like I said, Jewish people, Christians, Muslims, Armenians, so many different people in this small area. I just think it's ironic they kind of forgot that while they're fighting the Muslim world instead of embracing the people that look at themselves as part of that sacred land. Control of land is the main issue between Israelis and Palestinians. Occupying the high ground, occupying high ground Golan Heights, it's a military strategy, but I've just kind of proven that it's also to protect civilians in multiple different ways. You know, there's government policies that help Palestinians continue to build, even though the Israeli state is trying to push all other influence out um, there. You know, there is legislature there to help them expand. Palestinian people are are ultimately displaced and and it's a really hard and ongoing issue. It's a really sensitive issue and it it's something where, you know, war is inevitable in this situation. And I think that the world has kind of grown bitter to that and I think the world is starting to get over that, in which case, you know, People are getting restless and you can kind of tell with the way that these countries in this area kind of fluctuate and how they politically deal with each other. Even though Jewish people believe that the land isn't being used properly, even though Jewish people believe that a lot of this land that Palestinians are settling, even though they're not using it for anything... They don't really think that they should be there. I just think the irony with Christians in Jerusalem kind of mirrors the way that the Muslim world looks at Israel. It's safe to say that the Jewish people are anxious because of their threats in the region, as well as any harmless threat to their prophecies. A lot of people, uh, Jewish people have been ridiculed. They've they have a really dark history and, you know, they're, in, they have, they're, they're anxious in, in all ways, shapes, or form. Israel is a very capable country. They have an incredible ground force. They have incredible capability in the air. They have incredible capability to be accurate and to find targets, to find threats, to retaliate, to counter, to counter, counter, and to be preemptive. Um, it, it, it makes sense for them to be that way. 
our main leaders such as Donald Trump and Mike Pence, who get welcomed with open arms, especially in these situations in the world. You don't ever see them see any heads of any Christian church in Jerusalem. You don't ever see them talk about Christianity when they go over there. They talk about their support for the Jewish people. Not taking nothing away, just saying. Just trying to leave your brain thinking. Why is it that when our presidents go over there, we don't ever connect with the Christians that are holding it down in the number one holiest place for Christianity? It just blows my mind. You know, it makes me think. Christians may be inadvertently targeted by the Israeli government, but they're also being suppressed by evangelicals. All the way in the U.S. The Jewish people already suppressed the way that Palestinians can pray in Jerusalem. Who's to say that Christianity won't be next? I know that there's a lot of Christians that vacate over there in Jerusalem, but in some way, shape, or form, you know what I'm saying? If the Jewish state wants and gets what it is that they per scripture, are fulfilled to, to, to make happen, who's to say that Christianity wouldn't be next, you know? There is so much twisting and turning in the Middle East right now, but one thing is sure. Christians in the holiest city in the world for Christianity are an endangered species. Is that too bold? There are six times more Sumatran orangutans in the world than Christians in Jerusalem. There are two times more Sumatran elephants in the world than Christians in Jerusalem. Rhinos are among species that are less than the number of Christians in the holy city for Christianity. Could this number dwindle for these Christians? Could there be less Christians in Jerusalem one day than there are rhinos in the world? There are many organizations embedded and deployed to save these species. But what about Christians in Jerusalem? If they all left with the way that we worship change knowing that nothing was done to help them. Left your brain thinking. Endangered species. The things that we do, the things that we consider lucrative, upper class ideology in in this podcast, specifically like endangered species. What's the so what behind that? I mean, we all know if bees are gone, we know they pollinate, you know, flowers and things like, you know, bees being gone is a a negative thing for nature, you know, like, but what, what else? I wonder if there's any, anything out there, but what a wonderful segue. Next week, we'll talk about endangered species. We'll even talk about endangered people. Um. I just I I think it's I think it's something that I 
I don't think it's explained for people that don't have the knowledge or know-how, and it's unfair, but it is what it is, right? You know, you could pick up anything you want in life. You could pick up a gun, or you could pick up a book. You could pick up violence, or you could pick up knowledge. There's a library everywhere in this country. And, you know, us as Christians, I wonder if we really understand Jerusalem. If we really understand what's going on. A lot of the world outside of the evangelical ideology believes that the things that they're doing are solely to bring Jesus Christ back on earth, which would bring the end of time. Go do your own research. Go go do the things that, that you want to do, you know. But just make sure you're thinking. And always leave your brain thinking. Thanks for listening, y'all. Have a great day.